following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. Alright, tonight we have a guest speaker, Mr. Joshua Thomas. Looking to get your undivided attention. It's good to be back with you all again. Glad to be here. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll jump into the sermon. So, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that you've given us to be in your presence together. And as we look at your word, I ask that your spirit would be uh, moving among us. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to understand more about our sanctification and more about how we can grow in relationship with you through these spiritual disciplines. So, Heavenly Father, I pray and ask that you would speak through me, ask that you would speak through your word, and ask that you would allow us to come away having uh, learned a little bit more about you and uh, having grown a little bit more in uh, Christ-like character. So I pray and ask these things, Heavenly Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, uh, like I said, it's good to be back with you. And we're speaking tonight on spiritual disciplines. And I wanted to start with just a few quotes from people who are not Christians, but who I think adds some good insight into what discipline entails and, and what discipline does for us. If any of you have seen the Dune movie, it's one of my yeah. I saw the old one and the new one. Oh, okay. You're hardcore. I haven't seen the old one, but the new one is excellent. And from the book that that movie is based on comes this quote on discipline. Frank Herbert, the author of Dune, writes this: "Seek freedom, and you'll become captive to your desires." But seek discipline and find your liberty. So there's a little bit of paradox there. And I think Frank Herbert, or Paul Atreides in the story, has a lot of insight there when he realizes that in life, it's discipline that actually allows us to progress. And even though discipline requires us to accept some limitations, actually ultimately gives us more freedom. When we accept those limitations, when we accept discipline, we live in a disciplined way, ultimately our agency and our autonomy actually expand which is counter to what you would think. You would think, oh, if I get up early or if I I go to practice, then that's taking up time. But actually, those things are what free you up to have more freedom. If you want to be good at anything, right, whether you want to be good at art, you want to be good at soccer, you want to be good at school, whatever endeavor is important to you, it will require discipline to become good at it. And the Christian life is actually no different. Paul, in the passage that we're about to look at, he's going to show us that In the Christian life, we are actually called to discipline. And just like in school or in drawing or in sports, just like in all of those things, discipline actually allows you to become better and better at what you're doing and actually allows you to receive more and more thriving. And you enjoy that thing more and more the more you practice it. In the same way, that's how our sanctification works. The more and more that we read the Bible, which is a spiritual discipline, the more that we go to worship and we worship God. Spend time in his presence. When we do these things, it actually allows us to grow in grace, become more and more sanctified Christians. We begin to look more and more like Jesus. But also, we get more joy. The more that we do these spiritual disciplines, actually, the easier it is for us to have unrestrained intimacy with God, which is actually the whole purpose that we exist. Our whole purpose in life is actually to know God and to be in a covenant relationship with Okay, it's not just submission to a bunch of rules for the sake of submission. It's actually that we do these spiritual disciplines, not for the disciplines themselves, but for the God who we meet through those disciplines. 
And that's the beautiful thing about the spiritual disciplines, is that they actually allow us to grow in relationship with God. And that's the whole purpose for which we were made. Another quote, the other quote that I wanted to start with, is from a Greek philosopher slash historian named Plutarch. And Plutarch wrote a lot of history. He wrote the history of the Greeks, history of the Romans. And one of the big arguments that he made, sort of underlined his whole project, all of the books that he wrote, was one quote, which Plutarch said this, Character is destiny. Character is destiny. And what Plutarch meant by that is the character that you have will actually determine your outcomes down the line even more than the vicissitudes of fortune, good luck, bad luck. There are lots of things in this life that we can't control, but one thing that we actually are given the ability and the privilege to do is we can actually shape our character by the choices that we make, by the disciplines that we willingly engage in. And when we habitually do things, when we repeat them over and over again, it actually allows us to grow in that area. So once again, if you draw a ton, you're going to become better at drawing. If you swim a ton, you're going to become better at swimming. That's just the way the world works. Well, if you read God's Word, you're going to have God's Word in your heart. And when you react to certain situations, what's going to come out of you naturally is the, the Word of God that you place it. Right? Scripture says we should write His Word on our heart. How do we do that? Well, that, that takes discipline. It's actually not easy to do that. And I knew someone who told me, well, I only want to read the Bible when I feel like it, because that is actually being authentic. And it's not authentic if I don't feel like reading the Bible. But of course, this person actually just ended up pretty much never reading the Bible, because they didn't really feel like it. And someone that I knew actually said to this person, well, actually what you should do is you should read the Bible until you want to. And I, I think that's great advice, actually, for most things. This, this applies to me for working out. I'm super sore today. My legs are, like, actually killing me. Like, I'm in so much pain right now. And it's because yesterday I went back to the gym for the first time in, like, a month. And I worked out my legs. And now I'm dead tired, and it hurts. However, I know that if I keep going back to the gym for the next two or three weeks, all of a sudden what will happen is I'll wake up with tons more energy. I'll wake up feeling better. I'll wake up feeling stronger. And I'll actually want to go to the gym. You don't start off wanting to go to the gym. You go to the gym until you reach a certain threshold. And then you start to do it out of wanting to, out of desiring to. And so the discipline gets easier, but it actually, it takes discipline to get there. And so ultimately I'm doing the, the workout because I want to. It's because that's what I desire to do. Because I love the feeling of being fit. So it's ultimately driven by my love and by my heart, what my heart desires. But it's also, it takes discipline to do that. And the same thing is true with the Bible. We read the Bible because we want to know God and because we love Him with our heart. But it's not easy. It takes discipline. And you discipline and you discipline until it becomes easy. Do you see the difference? Now, I, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that we can earn our salvation through spiritual disciplines. Okay? And so I'll give you a list here. I mean, fasting, prayer, reading the Bible, going to church, worship, fellowship, accountability, gratitude. Like these are all things that are part of the Christian life, and it takes discipline to do all of them. But you're not saved by doing those things, right? Actually, we know from Scripture, we know from Paul that we're not saved by works of the law. We're actually saved by Jesus and what Jesus has done on our behalf. That's what we call justification, which is a part of salvation. But there's another thing called sanctification, 
And the difference between the two is that justification is what Jesus has done for us, and sanctification is what God is doing in us that we get to participate in. Okay, so I'm going to read you a couple of verses here. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly minutes. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. So, Paul is telling Timothy, if you want to be godly, that doesn't come easy, that takes discipline. He actually says you should train yourself. In the same way, Paul later in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, he uses this analogy of an athlete again. I don't know if, if y'all like sports. The NBA Finals is going on right now. I love the NBA. Jimmy Butler has led the Heat to the Finals again, against all odds. And one thing that you need to know about Jimmy Butler is he's the guy that gets up at 4 a.m. and goes and practices while everyone's asleep. And so everyone else is like shocked that he made it to the finals. I'm not. I actually really expected this because, one, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Butler's and sort of bias. But two, I know he's working. Right? And, and so I actually think there's a great analogy here that Paul gives us when he uses like kind of sports and athletics as a metaphor for the spiritual life of the Christian. And so Paul says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may attain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body, and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so what we see here is that Paul is saying that, and Paul is the one who is constantly saying, you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace. So Paul isn't saying that you're saved by your spiritual discipline, right? Jesus saves us, not our works. However, Paul is also saying that the, the Christian life is marked by self-control. In the same sort of way that an athlete wakes up early, goes to bed on time, watches what they eat, runs in the morning when it's tired. All of those things take discipline. They're, they're not easy. They're hard to do, right? But they do all of that work to receive a perishable prayer. A wreath that they get for a moment, right? And I hope Jimmy Butler wins the NBA championship. I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan. But if he wins, he's received a perishable crown. He'll be the NBA championship for this year. And next year, there'll be a different NBA champion, presumably. But in the Christian life, all of those disciplines that you do, all the work that you do to fight against your sin and to move towards unrestrained intimacy with God... All the work that you do is rewarded, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And so Paul is actually telling us that when we exercise discipline in seeking to know God better, this is something that, it's the best deal you could ever have, because not only do you gain immeasurably more than what you lose in the present, but you actually gain eternal life, which is the best gift that you can get. And you actually gain deeper relationship with the God of the universe who created you. Like, he created you for relationship with and he wants you to seek him. And when you do, he's pleased by that. And he's actually, if you are doing that, he's actually working in you to allow that. Right? So Philippians, Philippians 1, says this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In some sense, 
all of the work that we do in spiritual disciplines is actually brought about by the Holy Spirit working in our heart. It's actually Jesus giving us his Holy Spirit that enables us to even grow in holiness, to grow in our sanctification, to become more like Jesus. And that is something we're called to do, right? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if anyone tells people to not follow the law, they'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. If someone says, follow God's law, and they teach it, and they practice it themselves, they'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I haven't come to get rid of the law. I've actually come to fulfill the law. But not a jot or a tittle of the law will pass away. So Jesus came to preach the law, but he also knew we can't perfectly follow it. That's why he had to go to the cross. So just to kind of sum up this section, and we'll jump into kind of our two main points, but I'll give you a definition here. This is from Donald Whitney. He says, Cultivating practical godliness is essential to the Christian life. And it's made up of pursuing spiritual disciplines that are both personal, like Bible reading, prayer, fasting, and also interpersonal, like between us, such as baptism, the Lord's Supper, fellowship, and worship. And all of these things take discipline. Okay, so it takes discipline for us to grow in holiness, but ultimately the reason we do it is because that's how we actually grow in our relationship with the Lord. As we progressively do these things, we become more and more like Jesus. And this is true for us now, but it was not necessarily always this way. Right? So before the fall, before sin entered the world, it was actually easy for human beings to do the spiritual disciplines. It was like this. Does anyone here know what the game of angle ball is? I love angle ball. I will rearrange my schedule to go play angle ball. If you don't know what it is, that's fine. Just ask me later. But it's a great game. You should play. I love angle ball. And if someone says, hey, angle ball's happening tomorrow, I will go. Unless I absolutely have to do something else. I'm going to be sad if I can't go. That's how it used to be for human beings to fall. Before sin, before Adam and Eve fell, it was actually what they desired to do most in earth, like most in their life, was the desire to be in relationship with God, to do the things that were righteous, the things that pleased the Lord. And we know from Genesis that they walked and talked with God, that they were in perfect relationship with God. And that's actually the point of the spiritual disciplines. The point of the spiritual disciplines isn't discipline. The point of the spiritual disciplines is relationship with God. And Adam and Eve had that. It was perfect. But then, Satan came along and tempted them, told them, God is holding out on you. And really, you could compete with God. You could be God. And they did off more than they could chew. And they fell into sin. And they tried to compete with God, and exactly what God told them would happen, happened. God said, if you eat of the tree, you will die, die. In Hebrew, it's twice. You will die, die. Meaning, you will die to the nth degree. And that happened to Adam. And then that's happened to all of us. And now, after the fall, it's not easy anymore to do what God requires. The law is hard for us. When God gave the law to Moses and the Israelites on Mount Sinai, he came down in a cloud full of lightning and thunder and fire, and his voice booms out with the, with the law. The Israelites ran away because it was terrible. And because they knew we can't keep that. We're unable to do that. And that's true. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The problem is we can't do that. So if the law is good, the law actually shows us God's character. In some sense, you can think about it this way. The law is like cheat codes in a video game. It's the way that you thrive in a video game, the way you win, is if you live that way or you play that way. God is like gracious in giving us the law, but it also shows us our sin. It shows us we can't measure up. And so there's also judgment in the law, because when we measure ourselves against the perfect standard, we can't do it. And that's why Jesus had to come and live the perfect life we couldn't live, and then die the death that we deserved, so that when he was resurrected on the third day, all those who are trusting in Jesus, their sins went into the ground with him, and their new life has come out of the grave with Jesus. And that's why he came, because we can't fulfill the law. But the law is good. And actually, because of what Jesus did on that cross, now we're able to progressively grow in our ability to do those things. And the result of that is joy. The result of that is thriving. The result of that is actually that you grow in relationship with God and that you thrive in the world. Because when you follow God's law, you're literally doing what you were designed to do. I could take my iPhone and I could use it to spread butter. That would be really stupid. Because an iPhone is not designed to spread butter. It could do it, but that's not what it's for. So in the same way, you are made for relationship with God. You can do other things, but you're never going to be satisfied. Because the optimal amount of satisfaction is always found in using a thing for the, for the purpose that it was made for. And the purpose that we were created for is relationship with God. And so... When Jesus came and he died for us, he allowed us to be free from the penalty of sin. But when he gave us his spirit, he actually begins to allow us to be free from the power of sin. A famous theologian named John Owen said, kill sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And that's what the spiritual disciplines are all about. It's about us leaning into the spirit and away from our flesh. It takes discipline. It's not easy. But we do it depending on the Holy Spirit, and we do it with the confidence that what Jesus starts, he always finishes. What Jesus has begun in you, he will see the completion. So run the race. Strive towards the upward call of Christ. Because it's worth striving in that direction. So we, we see that sin has actually made it difficult for us. Now it actually takes discipline. Now it's actually work. It's hard to pray. It's hard to read the Bible. Sometimes you read the Bible, you get into Leviticus, and you're like, I am bored. To be honest, that happens to me. I bet it probably happens to y'all too. That's why it's actually hard. It takes discipline. But when you push through, and you continue to read, and you continue to pray, it's not that you change in one moment. It's that you do it, and you discipline enough to keep doing it repeatedly. And the little habits that you have actually shape you over time. So I don't know if you'll know this, but if you read four chapters of the Bible a day, you'll finish the whole Bible in one year, except that you'll finish the New Testament twice, and you'll finish the Psalms twice as well. And that's not a lot. Like You could read two chapters in the morning, two at night. I had a pastor tell me this. I was asking him, I was like, what should I read to get ready for seminary? Because I'm now I'm in seminary. At that point, I wasn't in seminary yet. And I was like, what five books should I read? And he was like, you're going to read good books in seminary, but the best book is the Bible. If you want to be a good pastor, if you want to preach in a way that helps people, then what matters the most is what you're doing on your knees and open when you're reading the Bible. 
And I was like really shocked by that. And then he was like, read four chapters a day. You'll finish the whole Bible in a year. You'll read the Psalms twice. You'll read the New Testament twice. That's not hard. Do that for, you read for 15 minutes a day. You can finish the whole Bible in a year. And that's actually a lot easier than I thought. And it's also a lot harder than I thought. Because 15 minutes isn't a lot. But every day, day after day, it takes discipline. You have to form a habit. And so I would say maybe the best thing you could do is just commit to reading one page a day. It doesn't have to be a lot. Right? But just do it consistently. Do it every day. If you just read one page of the Bible every day, at the end of the year, you will know God way better through that one year. And all you have to do is read one page. That's easy. We can all do that. And the, the beauty of that is that when you do that, the Holy Spirit works through And once again, I'm not saying that you read the Bible to earn God's love. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God loves you so much that he died for your sins, and he wants to be in a relationship with you, and you can't be in a very good relationship with someone if you never talk to them and if you never listen to them. Right? And that's what the Bible is. That's what prayer is. When you read the Bible, you're hearing the word of the eternal God who created the entire universe that we live in. In him we live and move and have our being. Jesus holds every fiber of the universe, every molecule together. And you get to hear his voice when you read the Bible. You get to speak to the God of the universe when you pray. If I give you a chance to meet your favorite celebrity, whether it's a... Yeah, okay. Noah, if I let you meet John Cena, you would say yes in a heartbeat. Like, if I had a chance to, like, talk to Brandon Sanders, who's, like, my favorite author, I would, like, meet, I would rearrange everything in my schedule to do that. But every single day, we have the opportunity to speak to the creator of the universe, God himself. And a lot of times, we don't do it. Because we get bored. Sometimes it's because we literally just pray the same prayer every time we pray in the same exact words. And if you do that, the words eventually become meaningless and you get bored. So maybe, like, talk to him like a person and... Tell them about your day instead of just praying like one little... I'm telling you this because it's helpful to me because I do this a lot. Um, I do kind of drive-through prayers a lot of the time. I go through the drive-through. Hey, God, give me good grace, please. Hey, God, like, I'm working on this sermon. It's in an hour. Like, please give me inspiration for what I'm going to write. But, like, you can also talk to God about the things you're struggling with or just about your day. One thing that I do, which is I think it's a spiritual discipline, is I have a running list on my phone of things I'm grateful for. And when I think about it, I just pull out my phone, I write down five things that I'm grateful for, and I thank God for those things. Christians should be the most grateful people in the world, because we have someone to be grateful to. And I've noticed that when I do that, I am way happier. I would recommend that to you. I think, I think that's a good thing for Christians to be doing. I think that's a spiritual discipline. So, anyways, I know we're coming to the, the close of our time. What I really want you to get is that because of what Jesus has done for you, you're actually able to begin progressing to look more and more like him. Before Jesus, sin had distorted our spirituality and it was actually impossible for us to keep the law. Now because of what Jesus has done, because of his life, his death, his resurrection, because he's given us his spirit, we actually have the power now to begin to look more and more like Jesus. And you do that by depending on him, you do that by asking for his help, but you also do it through discipline. Through day by day, seeking Jesus in his word, praying, showing up in a room like this with a body of believers and worshiping. You don't do those things for the sake of the discipline. 
You do that for the sake of the God that you meet through the disciplines. And spiritual disciplines are not an end unto themselves. They're a means. If you're in Presbyterianism long enough, you'll probably hear the term means of grace. That the means of grace are things that God has given us that help us to grow in our relationship with Him. Like baptism, like the Lord's Supper, like worship, but also like prayer, God's work. And if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, go where He is. Go hear the word preached. Go to Him in prayer. Go to His word. Because you can really spend time with Him. And He delights for you. That's why He came for you, because He wants you to have a relationship with Him. There's a huge difference between just submission and covenant relationship. And, and, and Jesus didn't just come so we would submit to His law, but actually so we would have a relationship with Him. So that we could actually grow in grace. All end with this. I would commend to you that it would be a great thing for you to do to create your own spiritual renewal plan. This is, this is something that I, I did a few months ago. I have not been perfect in following it. Far from that. But actually, it's, it's very helpful. So what I did, what, what I would advise, I think it would be a great application for you to do this, is sit down and think for five minutes about what are a couple things that I could do every day that would be me growing in relationship with Jesus. That would be me trying to, to meet with God. Whether that's read a page, whether that's read five chapters, four chapters of the Bible, whether that's, I'm going to pray. Maybe you say, I really want to know the book of Galatians, so I'm going to write out the book of Galatians, hand write it out, for five minutes every day until I get through the whole book. If you do that, you will know Galatians after that. And you'll be surprised how often in your life you're doing something and then Galatians will just pop in your head. And it'll help. That there are many, many different things that you can do. And you don't have to do what I do. But I would say that I think you should do something. Because what you repeat shapes who you become. What you do day in and day out, what you're disciplined enough to do, the returns that you get are not linear, they're exponential. What that means is, if you do something every day, you get way more rewards than if you just do something once. Like, way Like, I can give you an example. One year I decided I'm going to read as many books as I could. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to listen to books when I'm driving, and I'm going to read for two hours every day. Which, that, that was kind of a lot. I had kind of been building up. But I read a hundred books that year. And I'm not trying to brag, I'm trying to say, like, what you do every day adds up a lot. So, if you read God's Word, you spend time with Him every day, you end up knowing Him way better. You end up with more relationship with Him. And that's not because He loves you more if you do these things. It's because you know Him more if you spend time with Him. Does that make sense? It's not for love of the disciplines, it's for the love of the Lord that you need with the disciplines. There's a song that I love called Come Ye by Sinaflippi. And there's a verse that goes like this. Blessed are the eyes that see him. Blessed the ears that hear his voice. Blessed are the souls that trust him. And in him alone rejoice. His commandments. His commandments. His commandments then become their happy choice. Let's engage in spiritual disciplines on purpose because they're our happy choice. Not to earn God's love, but actually because he has already loved us so much that he died and was resurrected for us. He has saved us already. So let's go further up and further into the relationship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everyone in this room. Thank you so much that you know them by name. That each of them matters infinitely to you. And that you have allowed them 
opportunity to grow in grace and sanctification and grow in relationship with you. Lord, I ask that we would all continue to do that. I ask that we would strive towards the upper call of Christ. Not because we need to earn your love, but because we already have it. And because more than anything, we want you. Lord, let that be true of us. Let us continue to walk with you and participate in the sanctification that you're doing in us through your spirit until that day when the night fades. And we see you as you are. In your name I pray. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.